Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan works in the lane, stops at the free throw line, pulls up on the jumper, swish. Working the left side with a six-point lead to Clarkson, driving on Williams, bouncing to Rudy. Rudy dunking on Tice, and the foul. Hoya! Wee wee! Donovan crosses over, comes off Gobert, rises and fires, hits the three! Oh, Donovan! Wow! Probably the biggest bucket of the night there for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, a couple of big three-pointers. He had a poor shooting night going, but in the clutch, came up with two huge threes, plus an assist to Conley for another three that was really important late. And the Jazz beat the Celtics, 117-109. We can talk about everything that went wrong because it wasn't perfect, but keep PK. What went right? They won. They looked good down the stretch. Well, of course they did. Yeah, that Donovan Mitchell shot that Ron Boone said was the biggest shot of the night. Absolutely, man. Who cares what the efficiency stats say? Get, bore me to death some more, why don't you, with numbers. How about big shots? Big shots! That's what Mitchell did. That's why the man's a winner and you're not. jeez. <laughs> not speaking to you personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so all the listeners aren't? It sounded like it for who's, a second. Who's, <laughs> no, those who criticize him on the efficiency mm. crap. Oh, okay. I don't know who those people are. I ball. have completely eliminated them from my life. That's the point. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't want to know who you are. I want to know about the guy who hits big shots in the clutch. I don't care what the stats say. I see these eyeballs. God blessed me with vision, and I use it, and I've seen it, and that was a huge shot. Come on, everybody knows that. So that takes you know what to make those types of plays. It really, it really does. To be four for fourteen and rise up, and in a moment when you really need it, there it is. Yeah, exactly. And the SS Kinahan, you're referring to the losers you left in your wake, and they're disappearing over the horizon, and who knows who they really are? The SS Kinahan. It's got a good name. I hate them, and I don't want to be associated with them. I don't want to be associated with negative you-know-what bags who just bring me down. That's not the kind of guy I am. Wouldn't it be the SS Irregardless? That would be its sister ship. Ah, okay. You always make two. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Good point, though, Yach. Well done. The turnovers that had haunted them in the couple previous games were uh, were a big problem in the first half, and then the second half, they just knocked that off. Only four turnovers in the second half, and they shoot the ball well as a team. So if you don't have, you know, the turnover is always going to get you zero points per possession. Holding on the ball and getting shots up made all the difference. They shot it really well from three, 19 of 43 as a team, 44%. And those were some awfully important threes down the stretch to get them the win. They get a day off. They play the Wizards tomorrow. The Wizards are 10 games under 500. You never know with COVID, you know, in any game, a team could be shorthand, and that could be the worst team you play on a trip. But by record, the Wizards will be the worst team they play on this trip. That game is tomorrow night. Co- Co- covid I hope it doesn't get in the way. Ow! <laughs> Somebody had his energy drink this morning. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Let's see if Zach goes for a heat check. Topside Levine. I'm going home. He 
He's four of four from three-point range in the first quarter. Reggie Bullock on Tobias. Harris on the back down to the right of the lane. Left-hand dribble. Hangs in the paint. It's good. Tobias Harris back-to-back field goals. Timeout New York. 96-92. LeBron fires it up and hits a three. Yes, sir. Mello holds the ball above his head, gets it to Dame on the wing, seven to shoot. In front of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, takes a deep three, buries it! Logo Lillard for three! Dame straight away with a deep three, buries it! Dame time in the fourth quarter! It was Dame time in the fourth quarter. He has 50 points. Portland down by 17 with about 5.45 to go, and they go on a 25-7 run. And Lillard had 15 of them. And speaking of you know what, in the clutch, PK. He had all seven points in the final minute, and the Blazers rallied to get the win with an assist from the Pelicans, who just completely messed it up down the stretch. When they were fouling and turning, going back and forth, the, the Pelicans missed two free throws and then turned the ball over on an inbounds play. So some gifts there, and Lillard made sure the Blazers cashed in every single gift card. Yeah, I don't know that the Pelicans know how to win. And the Blazers, I've always said this, anytime McCollum and Lillard combine for 60, they're going to win. Yes, McCollum's back, but uh, in limited minutes, 3 of 10 shooting, uh, 10 points, but they did combine for 60. Uh, The other uh, big teams in the West, the Lakers playing. They uh, beat the Timberwolves 137-121. Larry the Laker is an excellent follow on Twitter during a Laker game. He's all over the map. He's such a fan. It's very entertaining. The uh, Lakers pick up the win, so the Blazers pick up the win, and the Jazz pick up the win. So three of the top six in the West playing, and all of them victorious. A lot of wins picked up, I guess. Huh? Yeah, over the last couple of days, uh, nobody giving anything away here in the, at the top of the no, West. Nothing. Uh, the Sixers won. Tobias Harris paced Philly with 30 points in the victory. And LeBron James, when he's not helping beat the Timberwolves, is joining Fenway Sports Group as a partner, giving him an ownership stake in its subsidiaries, the Fenway Sports Group, owns a big chunk of the Boston Red Sox, the Liverpool Football Club, Roush Fenway Racing, and Regional Sports Network, NESN. He already owned 2% of Liverpool, so there you go. LeBron piling up ownership stakes. DJ well, and PK. A lot of money. Yeah, he does have a lot of money. Got to put it somewhere, and it seems like franchise values are only Good going for him. Up, That's so. what he wants to do, yeah. sure. No wonder he got in there, right? DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. I'm not a candidate for Indiana or any job, and you could come to me with the greatest job on earth, and I would not consider it. I came home to coach and end my career at a small Catholic school. I'm not going anywhere. If I go anywhere, it's going to be retirement, and uh, I'm not looking forward to retiring anytime soon. But I'm looking forward to building a special program at Iona. We're in the infancy stages of recruiting there. We've got to get players that you see on the floor at Alabama, although I'm very fond of the players I have. We've got to get that type of length and that type of uh, talent. Rick Pitino, not up for any of the jobs that are coming open here as the coaching carousel picks up speed. Indiana has already been at Louisville and Kentucky. Indiana's not that far away, so of course somebody would throw out his name for that. 
The Utah job came open. Mark Harlan announced Larry Kristoviak is out after a decade-long tenure. His statement, the decision comes after a thorough evaluation of the program, both on and off the court, as they do with every head coach at the conclusion of their seasons. Ultimately, our program needs a new voice, a new vision, and a new leader who can build upon Larry's foundation and lead us to greater heights in the years ahead. It's also a bit at the NPK about the, the money, the buyout. Uh, that it's going to be covered with athletic department money. Don't worry about that. And now the search. For a couple begi- of donors. Yeah. Now the search co- starts with uh, Mark Harlan. This would be his first major hire at the University of Utah, sure. putting his fingerprints on the program. Kyle obviously has things rolling, and the football expansion was in the pipeline. Although he's had to help finish it off, but this is uh, this one's going to be all him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and this is what he's paid for. I mean, Chris Hill so- talked about many times over in just casual and then on the record conversations, you know, fundraising and hiring the right coaches. I mean, that's the large portion of the job. That's how you're judged. That's what your legacy is about. And so this is Mark Harlan's first opportunity. Uh, you know, I don't, I haven't had a lot of interaction with Mark, but I've had some, I've enjoyed it. Others uh, somewhat controversial behind the scenes people. There's people who've left the department don't have a lot of good things to say about him, but that's not my uh, interaction with him. Not that my interaction matters anyway, but uh, we'll, I'm excited to see what he can do. This is a man who has been around the block, uh, knows a lot of people, and so now is his opportunity. I don't think anybody argues with the decision to make a change in the basketball program, right? It, it was program has been slipping substantially, and so it was the decision to go this way was pretty much obvious and I, and I think Larry uh, understands it too Yak and I were talking what was it last week about how his uh, third of his three sons was a senior playing ball he's got uh, a couple of younger girls he's got a house down in La Jolla and maybe he goes down there and they get in the volleyball scene and that was known we were we were talking about that last week uh, Yak and I were yep. and so everybody uh, understands this is the business as it is and now Mark gets an opportunity to really make an imprint. I have no reason to doubt that he won't do a good job. I mean, I believe he will. Uh, I'm excited for uh, his opportunity here to, to see what he can do. You know, there's, a, there's no question there'll be strong, solid candidates. Alex Jensen's name has been out, thrown around, and I've spoken to, I've spoken to Alex about NBA jobs, and you know he's excited for that opportunity if it would come. I believe it will come, which is why I believe that's he'll stay where he's at. I don't know that, but I've talked to people. I talked to people as recently as 10:30 uh, last night, and they think that he's not going to go back to the college. That he's going to stay at a pro level. That doesn't mean he won't, because I also talked to somebody who said, hey. You know, he has an opportunity right now, if he were to get the job, to receive a lot more money than he's making with the Jazz. Now, the question is, obviously, when his time comes, and I believe it's when, not if, at the NBA level, well, then, obviously, he can make that money back. So what does Alex want to do? And good for Alex. He's in a great position. Known the guy since he's 17 years old. Covered him his first year at at, uh, Utah. Uh, Sharp mind, sharp dude. So if that's not available, there's other guys out there. Or maybe there's ladies. Maybe Becky Hammond gets the job. She seems to be the hot female name as far as who's uh, on deck for coaching in the NBA. So, this is Mark, the ball is now in your court, and I'm excited to see what you can do. 
Well, we can throw a long list of names out there, and maybe we'll do that later in the show, of uh, people who have you know, local, regional ties. But when Mark puts in the release, there'll be a national search. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is a guy who is an athletic director in Florida and an assistant athletic director in Los Angeles. He's literally worked coast to coast. He's Arizona got ties too. with people in those conferences, people who are in those conferences have moved on yeah. to other jobs. So when it says national search, I think he's serious about it's going to be a national search. Doesn't mean it can't end up with someone who's got a tie, but uh, I didn't think the words national search were just thrown in there casually. <laughs> I think well, I think it something. should be. Yeah, right. But it doesn't mean you can't end up with someone with a tie. But he knows. Uh, yeah. Mark knows a lot of people across all the sports and. Yeah, you know, this yeah. has been a long time coming, and he couldn't do it a year ago because of the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, Chris right. Hill, both on the record and in casual conversations, would always say, you got to have a list. You never know what's going to happen. You know, you got to have a list. So I'm sure Mark has a list nationally. But Well, I wouldn't just limit it to nationally, and I don't mean to be cute on that. Uh, you need someone who has inter- international connections because uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's an international person. But somebody who has the international connections, because obviously the foreign market, why not take advantage of that if you have that opportunity? Well, we've obviously seen uh, uh, Yaka Pirtle, international player, lead uh, Utah to the second round of the tournament. We've seen the St. Mary's program built on a series of players from Australia. So They've that, got two incoming European prospects, yeah, Pelle yeah, Larson, got a, already in there. We've got a bunch of international yeah. guys on our roster now. and. Hano Metala was on the uh, in the, on the U team in the glory years, the the high watermark with Majerus. So. He's been funneling guys to Utah. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Obviously, I've told both of them, hey, it's going to be you know the two of you are going to compete for this position, and 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 they understand it. And they'll come in. We've already had a chance to to see both of them to some degree. I think last year was important for us relative to Jameis. It gave us a year to evaluate him, and it also gave him a year to evaluate us. That's Sean Payton on the Saints quarterback plans. PK? Yeah. How is this all going to play out? What is Taysom Hill's future? We've knocked it around a little bit over the last couple days. You hear Sean Payton. Is he getting nailed down? No. I think that Sean Payton is imminently qualified to choose a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I think we would all agree on that, right? And so they're going to have this competition. And as we've heard 8,000 billion trillion times, competition brings out the best in you, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's largely true. So this is what, uh, speaking from Taysom's standpoint, this is what he's wanted. This is what he's worked for his entire life as an NFL player, as a football player, back to when he was a young kid. You know, you want the opportunity to win the starting job as a quarterback. And he's a great story with all the injuries that he had to overcome and not getting drafted, blah, blah, blah. And so now he's got this opportunity. I can't tell you what's going to happen, but he's got this opportunity. And Sean Payton is saying... These guys, Winston and Hill, are going to come in here and compete for the job. So there it is. I believe that's true. doesn't mean they might not add somebody else who's better. I mean, you every, every general manager's charge is constantly improve whichever team you're over. So that very well could happen. I don't know that. But these two right now are the guys who are going to compete. 
And whoever wins the job, Sean Payton will anoint him as the starter. It's cliche and trite, but that's the way it'll be. Reading uh, some of this stuff yesterday, the one nugget that was hidden in like the twelfth paragraph of one of the stories was that well, the, that's a poorly written story. Then was that the Seahawks take a thirty-nine million dollar cap hit if they trade Russell Wilson? So if you're the Seattle Seahawks, just on talent alone, you should be trying to fix things with Russell Wilson. You should you should be trying to work that out. But when you had a thirty-nine million dollar cap hit on top of that, yeah, you definitely need to work things out with Russell Wilson. So I wouldn't wouldn't be holding my breath for him to move. But you're right. If you have a chance to upgrade with with Watson or Wilson, those two teams really need to try to hold on to those guys. But, uh, you know, the Saints just have to keep their to the ground. There's a, there's a lot of quarterbacks here being signed to one-year deals. Uh, Washington and the Chicago Bears have both, both brought in. Uh, Andy Dalton is moving from Dallas' backup to Chicago to compete for the job there with Nick Foles. And these guys are on one-year deals. It feels a little bit like some NFL teams are expecting, I don't think anything's going to happen now. We're going to make our move. But we're going to be poised next year if there's a, an opportunity to trade for one of these guys. If they don't, uh, if they don't fix things, maybe these guys will be on the market next year. Yeah, but I mean, NFL, everyone's on a one-year deal. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with the with the guaranteed money and all that, uh, it you definitely see you know big money deals getting waived all the time. But there'll be no cap hit when a guy's on a one-year deal. There'll be no cap hit at all. So. Uh, the NFL League year officially begins at 2 o'clock this afternoon, so some of these previously announced deals, the signings, the trades, uh, they'll become official. Uh, also, former BYU star Jamal Williams uh, headed to Detroit. Expect an official announcement out of the Lions. Two years and $7.5 million. There it is. Jamal leaving Green Bay for Detroit, staying in the division. Trent Williams staying with the Niners for six years and $138 million. Highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history, a $30 million signing bonus and $55 million guaranteed. Oh, Anthony Munoz just rolled over and he's still alive. <laughs> Anthony Munoz. Uh, Houston attorney Tom Busby said he's filed a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson, the Texans star quarterback. Put out a statement saying he looks forward to clearing his name. Watson responded to on Twitter to word of the suit saying he rejected a baseless six-figure settlement demand. It's about clearing my name and I look forward to doing that. Busby did not specify the allegations against Watson in his post but referenced behavior with women and later told Fox 26 in Houston that Watson went too far with a woman who was giving him a massage. Watson says he's never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. So that lawsuit will continue on. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Spring ball, Utes, Cougars, LSU, Ed Orgeron. Man, how long do you get to bask in the glory in the SEC, PK? You're 15-0, then the pandemic year didn't go well at all. You weren't a contender, but it was a weird year. And now they got three quarterbacks battling for the starting job. Wonder how long Ed well, Orgeron ask, gets to uh, ride at an LSU. Ask Gus Malzon. Right. What happened with Auburn? Right. They had to go out and get Boise State's coach. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. An Illinois appellate court ruled Tuesday a woman struck by a foul ball at Wrigley Field can move ahead with a lawsuit she filed against Major League Baseball. Lia Zuniga was struck in the face by a foul ball during a 2018 game and says she was hit because the stadium had not extended the netting that protects fans from foul balls all the way down the third baseline where she was sitting. 
And we've seen netting extended in, in the last few years, PK, and I expect we'll see more of that happening. I agree. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, Patrick Stevens, Washington Post. College sports covers the NCAA tournament. He will help you fill out your brackets and tell us how far he thinks the Cougars and Aggies might proceed. In the case of the Cougars, who are they going to play? Joe Ingles at about 8.30 and Utah football availability coming up at 9. But, Yach, we don't know who's going to be speaking today. After having the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and four quarterbacks, they would send us an email to let us know who's speaking. We'll be able to tell you who's going to be on. All right, Utah coming up at 9. Joe Ingles at 8.30. DJ and PK, your reaction to the coaching change at the U. Larry Kristoviak out. Who will be next? Your reaction coming up. Stay with us. March Madness is here. And now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prices. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge. Going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented by the store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. Hot Takes of Toast, brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury hasn't. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac today. Question today, all sorts of hot takes. Larry Kristoviak, out at the U, who will be the new coach? What are you thinking about the transition? Got Ute fans, got Cougar fans, probably got some Aggies mixed in here. Parker, I really like him, but he just wasn't getting it done on the court. Bittersweet, a change will hopefully be good. A change will do you good. Sing it. A change will do you good. That's Cheryl Crow. Underrated song. A former public school teacher in Missouri, I think she was. But, uh, yeah. Well, I don't have any problem with what he said. I don't know how bittersweet it is. And this is just the nature of the business. I mean, what's bitter about it? Tyson, thank God. About three years too late. I miss Utah basketball actually being good, and I hope they make the right hire. Go Utes! Yeah. Two exclamation points. Uh, I think we should thank God in all things. I've always said that as a religious man. Not formally, but I'm more of a spiritual man, as you know. Three seasons of players leaving, Tony says. There's no confidence in him. Underperforming is the understatement of the year. You can't pay a coach that much and have a declining record year after year. Well, they're not going to. Yep. As a BYU fan, Nick writes, I'm sad to see him go. Sure, I was pissed at him for canceling the rivalry, but I sure enjoyed the mediocre hoops teams he churned out. Cougar fans taking a victory lap. Oh, I can see what they're doing there. Yeah, you want your rival to suck so you can beat them. A guy uh, communicated to me last night, man, I re- I'm really going to miss him. So one sport we had a chance to beat them in. <laughs> <laughs> Greg says, I'm not a running you fan, but I do miss seeing them compete. Too much talent has been wasted under Kristoviak. 
Uh, yeah, I think you could say there's not enough talent. I was going to say the bigger problem that they didn't get the best recruits or that they didn't keep the guys they had. How many of the guys who transferred would have blossomed had they stayed? Blossomed uh, would have helped the program. Blossomed, you know, what's the definition of that? Uh, I get where you're going, uh, but would what would they have done if they had stayed? Uh, clearly you're better with, uh, you know, Gotch. And I heard somebody say last night, well, Gotch didn't do anything in Minnesota. Yeah, in his next last game against Utah with Utah, he scored 28 points. Mm-hmm. So uh, clearly he would have been better off staying, and the program would have been better with him. Would it have been substantially better? I don't know. But you just it was a loss without him. It was a hit. You, you invest somebody uh, two, three years, and then they take off. I mean, that ends up being a wasted time in a sense. You don't get the full benefit of each individual player. Now, that full benefit of each individual player varies by the player, obviously. But still, you want that, and that has not happened. And I think I saw something this morning, actually, when I was going through stuff, that there's already uh, like 150 guys in the transfer portal, and that's for those of the seasons who have already ended Obviously, there's a bunch of teams still playing. So the Devils have lost two guys. They look like they're in complete and total disarray and a lot of speculation that Hurley's out the door. Not that I'm a big basketball fan for the Devils because they've never given me any reason to be a fan, but I'm just pointing out that they're, it's all over the place and certainly that's impacted the Utes. The thing that makes me a little nervous going forward now is, uh, you know, we re- relate it back to our own circumstances and uh, 1987, when John Cooper left the Devils to go to Ohio State, every coach since has been there four, five, six years and got has been fired. And you're and saying that's where we're going with since Majerus left. Yeah, Larry had the tenure run. It was longer. Uh, it was longer. You're correct. Yeah. But to your point, that is three coaches none of whom have made a real big mark. Now, there have been two Sweet Sixteens out of those three coaches, but there hasn't been the sustained success. You know, the, the NCAA trip is usually followed by several years with no NCAA trip. You know, they, they had a Sweet 16 with yeah. Giacoletti, and then they didn't qualify for three years. And then all the guys Giacoletti brought in internationally their senior year, they got to the tournament for one game under Boylan, and then they didn't qualify for five years. And then they made two, and now they've missed for five years. It, well, all right, that's like Devil's football. Each of those guys who got fired, they all had a big season. It really is. But they haven't been able to have any uh, ability to sustain it. And so that's why it's important. Even if your coach leaves, you want him to leave for another job because that likely means the program's in a good spot, a la Urban Meyer. So I guess the thing with the talent is you do want them to bring in lottery talent, but those guys are often one-and-dones. There's a lot of lottery picks that really don't have that much success. But if you look at the teams, or that much success in college, but if you look at the teams that have had success in the Pac-12 that you're trying to catch, you know, you'd love to do what Oregon's done. And Oregon's had a lot of guys who are either late first-round picks or second-round picks. And so that's where guys developing. You know, some of them went into the draft early. Bull Bull was there and barely played because he was hurt. Uh, and still ended up being a second-round pick. And there are other guys like Peyton Pritchard was there forever. And ended up being a second-round pick. First-round pick, actually. Or late first. You're right. He was late first. Boston. Uh, um, and so can you build with those guys? Yes. Guys who play two, yeah. three, four yeah. years, and you win a lot of games, and no, they're not 
NBA megastars, and it was cool that Majerus had all these high lottery picks, but college basketball and the NBA draft have changed a lot since then. They were changing to that point. It was kind of odd those guys stayed that long. It's definitely changed now. But you can look at Oregon, and they've had, I don't even know, at least a half dozen guys, but maybe seven or eight guys drafted you know, in the last four to five years. And so, yeah, not stars in the league. I, right. I understand. But they've won a lot of games, and I just wonder yeah. if some of those guys that stayed in the program, could they have turned into that, where you're the 48th or 52nd or 31st well, I mean, pick they of the didn't, draft? So they didn't turn into that in other places. They didn't. So I don't know. I, but they could have helped you win games. It's not about whether what type of success they have in the pros. It's what type of success they have at college. And clearly that this idea, one of the things that Mark Pope has said, Chris Burgess has said it too, is that you want to uh, get old and stay old. Well, the Utes have been young and stay young. Yeah, and how's and that And we had Larry on, uh, what was it, last week? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told him the Majerus quote that used to ring in my ears. Freshmen are just four years removed from being eighth graders. Oh, yeah, well, what the heck, man? You go that, and you're going up against juniors and seniors who are approaching being grown men. I mean, you just look at Van Horn, his body from the time he was a freshman till the time he was a senior. He was like 50 pounds, and most of it was muscle. And so, yeah, freshmen, sophomores, it's harder to compete. So the point was well taken, and Larry chuckled when I said that because he's gone through it. It's not, it's not unique to Utah, but it's really hurt the Ute program. And they got to find a way to get past that and keep guys in the program and develop it. The internal development for Utah has basically sucked. And a large portion of that reason is because players take off. Tony uh, on our Facebook page says, Larry just didn't give us the results. He had plenty of time to give. Losing seasons, several player transfers, and underperforming teams in the Pac-12 tournament, NCAA tournament. Time for a change. Agreed. Yep. Uh, Brooks says, as a BYU fan, I'm going to miss Coach Safety. <laughs> Brooks is piling on. Okay, that he was never, a bad decision. That, that, that was. And he's never going to get past that with I mean, BYU fans. Play the freaking game. It was too much grief. The cost wasn't worth it. It just wasn't. Play the game. And, and Chris Hill will tell you about that, too. Uh, just the, the grief that they got over that decision not to play a basketball game. It was was too much. John says, hopefully they'll get a good coach that takes them back to the upper level. Good luck from an Aggie fan. That's about as charitable as an Aggie fan is going to be. Might a certain coach who's led the Aggies to the uh, top of a certain level. Craig T. Smith, you never know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Aggies don't play. Utah anymore, right? Which is ridiculous, but nevertheless. Heard about that from an Aggie fan as recently as yesterday. Think the new coach will play us? No. (laughs) I don't. Yeah, so. Should they? Absolutely. You got that going, so it really doesn't matter what Utah does relative to Utah State. As far as Utah's program coming back, I think it has a very good chance to come back. I can remember when they first joined the conference, and I'm in Vegas, right? And it's the first conference tournament that I'm down there when they are a member of uh, the Pac-12. And so I was talking to some people. We were, we were in, uh, it was in the room to get your credentials at the MGM before you even go into the arena portion. And so it's just media folk and, and athletic officials in the room. 
And some guy's telling me, because that's, that's their first season, right? And they only had six wins or whatever it was. And he said to me, oh, man, Utah's going to come back. We, I have no doubt. And I said, well, what makes you so confident? It's because they got a phenomenal fan base. Kids want to go where it matters. And they can put people in the stands and generate interest, unlike a lot of us can do in the conference where we're located, where there's professional teams, mm-hmm. professional football, professional basketball, basketball. so forth and so yeah. on. So he was saying that, yeah, they will come back. I have no doubt that they will come back. We beat him this year. Well, big deal. The long-term prospects of the program here are better than they are at our place. It's a guy who's employed by a Pac-12 team telling me this. I mean, obviously they knew of the history, and he knew that I was – working for the paper at the time, and I was on the front line, so to speak, of that great run that they had. I was there for all those games uh, that Majerus from 93 on, right, right to the end of the, the Final Four, and then he made a couple of tournaments after that. Uh, I was there, and so he knew it. So he said, I'm saying, yeah, that's exactly right. So the fan base is very passionate. It's there, and I think they get the right person in there, and I have confidence that Mark Carlin can do it, that this program could be back Really, you don't necessarily need to win the, the conference. That would be great if you did, but you don't to accomplish your goals. You just need to be in position to get to the tournament. And I think that they can do that. You know, It's going to take a couple years probably, but I still think that they have an opportunity to have a good future. It's not there right now, but they have an opportunity to get there for sure. I believe that 100%. So right now, that's an interesting definition because Utah State and BYU made coaching changes two and three years ago. Mm-hmm. And they've gone five for five on NCAA bids. You know, with the transfer portal, how quickly can you build something? Now, both those coaches had some talent in the program when they showed up. And so maybe that's the argument that there was, you know, Sam Merrill was in the program at Utah State. You know, Haas was in the program at BYU. So you had some talent. Did you t- are these going to have that much talent when the new coach shows up? I think they have a possibility, but I don't know what's going to happen in right. the in the succeeding weeks as far as which guys leave and which guys return. I don't know that. So yeah, I, I think that. But but that's just a you know a one shot deal though. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you can get in there possibly this year, but it's not about one season. I'm looking down the line. So yeah, they can if everybody comes back. You know, I realize that two guys have already put their names in, but if the nucleus all comes back, sure they can do it. But that ask Jack Letty, what difference does that make? That's that's, <laughs> right. that's nice in the short term, and that's what you want. Of You'd course. rather have it than not have it. But yeah. the first year success doesn't guarantee anything down the line. Right. Right. But but looking at the other two programs, they're a combined five for five. Right. Craig Craig's been there three years, and they've been attorney team all three years, and BYU's been attorney team both years under Mark Pope. So. And that's that's great. That's great to do that, uh, but you know you you want to have it uh, eight out of ten or whatnot. Absolutely. There's no reason why you can't. Agreed. Brian says I like Coach K, but in a program as storied as the Utes, mediocrity just didn't cut it. No, no, it did not. And it is a an outstanding or has been an outstanding program. You have to say that. You just do. And I'm looking at it through the lenses, and we all look at it. That's why I say everyone has biases, whatever those biases will be. Well, my biases are being there in the 90s when the place was packed every night. My bias was being on the road in the 90s with all those great U teams and seeing the cities in the in the whack just come alive when the Utes were coming to town. It was such a big deal. You walk in. 
the arenas and the energy, you know, you could feel it because the Utes were there, man. And that's where this program was. And few programs in the West could say that. And I've witnessed it firsthand. It's going to be tough to get back to that level, but they could still get back to a very good level. This is, this is a rich, rich program with a rich history. Clark says it should say a lot that as a BYU fan, I am sad to see him leave. That goes back to what you said about uh, the Cougar fan who said that's the sport we had a chance to beat him in. Yeah, I get that. That's your rival. I mean, that, that's, that's why uh, BYU doesn't have a rivalry with Gonzaga. We can get to that in the coming weeks as Gonzaga advances in the tournament. If you're a BYU fan and you're rooting for Gonzaga to win it all, that means it's not your rival because you wouldn't root for the Utes. Look, we're already getting it right now, and they're not even in your friggin' conference. And you, you, you just want Larry to stay because you thought it would just uh, lead to continued mediocrity. And whereas Gonzaga, you want them to win, they're not a rival. You respect them greatly, but they're not a rival. All right, DJ and PK coming up. NCAA tournament expert Patrick Stevens, Washington Post, covers college sports. He will help you fill out your bracket. All the insight you need. Does he think Gonzaga is really going to go undefeated and win it all? How far will the Cougars and the Aggies advance? Who will BYU play in the first game? Plenty of things to run by. Patrick Stevens at 8 o'clock. Joe Ingles is here at 8.30. Stay tuned. Coming up next, more on the Jazz win in Boston. And a guy who had a really good night. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kyle Whittingham, kind enough to join us. What's the one thing that you absolutely have to get out of this spring camp? We have got to start to get the quarterback position settled. And I say get started on it because with Cam not involved, you can't have a definitive uh, answer or conclusion. But we've got to get a great evaluation on the guys that are going to be taking reps and make sure we get those guys situated in the depth chart properly and decide who going into fall is going to you know be that third guy because Cam and, and Charlie are obviously battle for that starting job and so we've got to get those guys behind them situated. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by the store. The store has grab and go meals, hundreds of local products. The store has two locations. Holiday, that's at 6200 South and 2050 East. And then downtown, the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake. That's the store. All right, PK, a win for the Jazz uh, in in Boston. It felt good. I think it felt a lot better than the Houston win. Certainly felt better than the loss to Golden State. Mm-hmm. So two and one now after the uh, after the All Star break. But I think feeling a lot better. It looked more like a Jazz game. And we went over this early. Big shots from Donovan Mitchell, who is not shooting the ball well at all, but nonetheless. Hit two big three-pointers late in the game and had an assist on another one. Mike Conley hit a big three down the stretch. I thought the other guy who just his presence and the attitude, I was really thinking about you have the story about um, there was one year where they had you do kind of player profiles with players where you went over and you talked to guys for, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, whatever it was, about uh, – who they were, how they got here, you know, early influences, what they wanted to do, and not so much, you know, this game, that game, this play, that play, but more big picture about them and their personalities and their careers. And you came back and said, man, this Gobert guy doesn't play a lot, and he's a project and all that, but his attitude just radiates. I mean, he oh. just – and I thought that's what he had. And it wasn't – you look at his stats in the game, and they weren't that outrageous. It wasn't a 20-20 game. You know, he had four blocks, so that's a little more than his average. But I just thought, again, like Donovan, 
it was the big plays, the momentum-changing plays. Boston had runs, and there were stretches where the Jazz looked bad, you know, but it wasn't the 15-4 to that they had at the start of the Golden, or 15-0, actually, that they had against the start against Golden State. Everything got stopped. It, it might be 8-2, to and you might be groaning about the way the last few possessions have gone watching the game, but then, Robert, then Gobert gets a rebound in traffic or challenges the shot, whether he blocks it or not. I thought the dunk he had in traffic late in the game set a tone. You know, sometimes he goes in there and flicks the ball up and tries to lay it up. Donovan talked about that after the game. He just went right into the traffic and just threw it down. And he's shooting his free throws better early in the year. Mm-hmm. 52%, that is not nearly good enough. They're going to foul you and send you the line. And they've been doing it, but now he's shooting like 68%. And that's not great, but teams don't want to foul you on purpose. I mean, they'll foul you to take away the dunk. But, yeah, so I think uh, I, I thought he had a good game. Not mm-hmm. that the stat line screamed it, but I could kind of you could feel his presence in the game. Uh, yeah, I agree. Absolutely, man. And it's fun to watch when you see guys – like Tice was going down the left side, and you're thinking, okay, go challenge Rudy because I know how this is going to end. <laughs> and, and you're excited. It's like you get a little yeah. adrenaline because you can see it coming. Don't shoot the floater. Don't shoot yeah. the floater. Try to get all the way to the rim. You can see the guy's going to challenge him, and you know Rudy's going to win that battle. Either he's going to block the shot, the shot's going to be altered, the shot's going to be missed. And it's fun to anticipate it. And you got to, that's something that you have to be a hardcore jazz watcher you know the jazz fan is the hardcore i don't put myself in the category of that hardcore jazz fan but i certainly put myself in the hardcore jazz watcher as we all do on the station every one of us and so we see that and you can anticipate it coming and i swear if they had a little thing you can put up to my body you'd feel uh my adrenaline start to get pumped (laughs) because you know it's coming you know the shot's going to get blocked and it's fun to watch that. So, yes, I think that was something, too. The first half turnovers, I tweeted out, the next lazy turnover, bench them. Because <laughs> I was getting ticked, man. Yeah. And they took care of that. I thought that they got down uh, in the first half, and Joe, coming off the bench, we'll have him supposed to join us in an hour or so, uh, came off the bench, hit two big threes to keep them at arm's length and not let the lead or the deficit mm-hmm. get too big. I thought those were big shots. And obviously that one the Mitchell hit towards the end, I just I love the body language. I love the confidence that he showed. Like, I'm going to make this shot, man. I don't care if I'm one or four for 80. I'm going to make this shot. And that thing just looks so smooth, so confident. That's what I look for. I look for it in their eyes and their mind. And you can see it, man. If you watch enough games, you can see what's out there. And you saw the mindset and all that stuff that you need to be a successful player even when things aren't going your way. And he had that, and that's just big time to me. That's something that I really, really enjoy. And it's across any sport, across either gender. It just doesn't matter. Uh, You can see it. I've seen it in, in women athletes, seen it in Serena Williams a million times over. And you can see it in Donovan Mitchell. I think the thing with uh, with rooting the free throws, we need to keep an eye on. I'm curious how much higher this goes. You know, he certainly wants some individual acclaim to go with the team glory. And the free throw line is one place where those two things come together. They're good for you individually. It's certainly good for the team to not give those points away. And, you know, the, the guys who we really revere, the big scores, the guys who put up huge numbers, most of those guys – they make sure they don't leave points at the free throw line. I mean, for all the logo shots that Steph Curry and Damian Lillard hit, and those are exciting, and those are the highlights, those guys are shooting 93% at the free throw line. 
Now, I don't think Rudy's getting to 93%, but he's got that number up from the low 50s to the high 60s. And the higher he pushes it, the more his scoring average is going to go up and the better shape the Jazz are going to be in. You never want to leave those points at the line. Well, the so. free throws look better. Even they do. When they miss, they you, look better. You're right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, uh, filling out your March Madness bracket. You can go on to uh, uh, our website. You hear the promos running. You can get the, get the bracket and uh, go to town on that. Patrick Stevens is going to join us, Washington Post. He'll help you fill out your bracket, NCAA tournament expertise, questions about the Aggies and the Cougars, how far the Pac-12 will advance. Will Gonzaga win it all? We'll talk with Patrick next. Stay with us.